This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. And today I have two very special guests uh, working on a very important project. I have with me uh, Dr. Peter Bishop, who's Professor of Sanskrit and Ancient Cultures of South Asia at Lyon University. Uh, and also uh, Dr. Yuko Yokochi, who's Professor of Sanskrit Literature at Kyoto University. Yes, by the power of the internet, on the same call, we have someone at Leiden, Kyoto, and myself in Toronto, and we will be speaking about both of them. We will speaking. We will be speaking with both of them about uh, a very important project in the field, the Skanda Purana project. Um, um, before we dive into that, uh, uh, Peter and Yuko, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's my pleasure. So, who wants to say a bit about the Skanda Purana project? What is what is the aim of the project? What is it you're endeavoring to, to, to accomplish in the project? Mm, Peter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the aim, well, there are a number of aims, but the primary aim is to, uh, for the first time, uh, critically edit the uh, text of the uh, Skanda Purana. And then uh, right from the start, it's important to get a sense of what we mean by uh, the Skanda Purana, because uh, as you will know, the Skanda Purana is a very important uh, textual tradition. Uh, in India, but the text that we are concerned with is one that was for a long time unknown. Uh, it was uh, only known from uh, medieval sources mainly, uh, the so-called Dharma Nibandhas, uh, sources which collect and refer to individual Puranas. And there, when the text of the Skanda Purana was quoted, um, that text was not known from the published editions uh, that we were familiar with in the 20th century. Yeah? So the Venkateshvara Press edition, which collected different Kandas, collected different Sanhitas, and published that under the name, general heading, Skanda Purana. So the text that we are concerned with is the text that was known in, uh, yeah, uh, according to our earliest uh, sources, earliest quotations, uh, and that has uh, survived uh, in very early Nepalese palm leaf manuscripts. And that makes it very important because that gives us suddenly uh, access to an early form uh, of the Purana, much earlier than um, many of the other Puranas than we are familiar with. In fact, I think I'm right to say that uh, the uh, one of the manuscripts that we use, which is S1, we call it S1, uh, dates to 810 of the common era, and that makes it the earliest dated 
Purana manuscript in existence. Fascinating. So what we aim uh, very briefly is to critically edit the text uh, for the first time. And uh, it's not only an edition, it's also a full study uh, which accompanies it because uh, you cannot edit a text unless you also understand it, unless you understand where it comes from, what the authors aspire to do. Um, and so, yeah, it comes with a with an extensive study, synopsis, um, accompanying studies. So, um, uh, very recently, just a month ago, in fact, um, there was published uh, the latest installment of this of this project, the fifth installment, um, featuring certain adhyayas of the Skanda Purana, that uh, work has uh, been made available open access. We will put it into, uh, we will put the link into the podcast notes, so anybody listening can actually take a look at that and 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 um, read through the the detailed synopsis. And if you're a Sanskritist, uh, take a look at the, the, the reconstituted text, the fabric of the Skanda Purana, uh, or at least those adhyayas thereof. Um, now, this is a term that's important to unpack. Uh, many scholars, uh, for example, my um, master's when the, was in the Valmiki Ramayana. So, of course, I instinctively turned to the critically edited text now fully published by uh, the, the Goldman Translation Project, similarly with the Mahabharata. Yet uh, to get to the critically edited text takes a, a phenomenal amount of work. Could you explain to people, what is this creating a critical edition? What do you start with? What is that process like? I think you should start what? with What do you mean for that process? So, for those who don't understand what a critical edition is, um, um, uh, yeah. uh, Yuko, you're so in it, you, you've internalized it as a way of life. But yeah. for those who, who, who are like the Skanda Purana, uh, where is that text? Where can I find that text? And people may not understand, there really is no um, 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 go-to text. And yeah. so, what are you working with? And how are you yeah, uh, working with it? Actually, for me too, the this text, the Skanda Purana, is for me the first experience of editing the text. So the, in that way, it's also very important for me to personally. And uh, so the first, of course, uh, we have the several manuscripts. Yeah, correcting um, all the manuscripts. Yeah, we, we can't know it's all, but uh, as much as possible. And then the, we were read, uh, of course, read the manuscript and correct it. And uh, the, what is important and also the very useful, I mean, the, for the editors, in this in case of the Skanda Purana, the recension is very clearly uh, divided. I mean, the, uh, we call the Nepalese recension or S recension, uh, consisting with uh, uh, three old Nepalese manuscripts. They are very old, from 9th to 10th century. Uh, maybe one is 11, but <laughs> yeah, around that. And then the other manuscript is very late. It's clearly very late. It's wise as, uh, dated at, uh, at the end of the 17th century, 18th century, I forgot, Revakanda. Uh, Seventeenth uh, century, and the other uh, the other recension we call the Ambika Kanda, 
is uh, the seven manuscript, and they are the nineteenth or yeah, maybe oldest is eighteenth century, and the the new one is the twentieth century. So the and these make uh, one group. So the usually, um, for example, in the Mahabharata or Ramayana. So this uh, dividing the recension, I mean the grouping the manuscripts, is sometimes very difficult because it's uh, usually man- each manuscript has contaminated during the transmission. So uh, usually there are the uh, regional recensions. We can say the South, uh, South Indian recension or the North Indian recension or East Indian recension and so on. But some manuscripts uh, Contaminated to each other, and then it's very difficult to di- uh, to divide. But uh, in in case of the Skanda Purana, we can um, clearly divide the manuscript into these uh, um, basically three recensions, and so that means uh, we can what is uh, we can trace the development of the text. I mean the transmission of the text. How it is uh, the early? What is the early form, and then how it is uh, changed in the? In this case, uh, only we have a manuscript in the eastern region, so around the Bengal, and then the, in late medieval time, how it is changed, and what is new element is added, and then the, in the current form, the, what is, uh, yeah. What part is corrupt and what is a new um, new addition and so on. So that is so, a good, yeah. So not only yeah. the, the, we what is reconstruct the older form, that's also the very important. But the still the and uh, in addition, we can trace uh, how the Purana is uh, what is. Uh, Revise or was revised and uh, added new materials and so on. So how it is changed, and how it is living in a way. Yeah. Yes. So so for those listening to to just get a sense, um, these brave scholars start off with a number of manuscripts which they have to make sense of, and they discern different recensions, and so there's a process whereby they will reconstitute a critical edition, which, if I'm understanding correctly, is considered to be uh, the 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 um, the most recent uh, ancestor of all of the extant manuscripts, um, but in addition to the critical edition, you're also mapping the ways in which the historical processes whereby the Purana has adapted uh, yeah. in the intervening yeah. centuries. Yeah, um, I think if I may follow up, I think uh, Yuko was making an important point there, which is important to stress because that is often forgotten. And certainly, if you think about the the, the parallels of the Mahabharata and the, uh, the the Ramayana, where scholars have a tendency to accept the constituted text of the Mahabharata or the Ramayana by the critical edition as kind of the original or basic text, and we are trying to do something different because by uh, analyzing the different recensions, we try to really put into focus the changes of the text. Uh, The text is not a fixed phenomenon. The text is uh, in process. That is precisely what makes Puranas uh, fascinating because they are indeed, well, I call them uh, living texts. They are uh, in a constant uh, process. They are important for communities. 
And because we have these uh, groups of texts from different time periods, as you can make clear, from the, the 9th century onwards all the way up to the 19th century, so that's a thousand years, uh, and we also have it from different regions. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that allows us to uh, to get uh, get insight into these uh, these changes that the text is undergoing. And uh, the text is not just one text. Yeah, the, the text yeah. exists in all its various uh, manifestations, and we really want to make that uh, the goal of our critical edition to make that yes. emphatic and. Maybe one last point about that is also if you look uh, at our uh, our edition, the way it appears, you will also see that we try to uh, represent that because you have different layers in the apparatus which allow you to see the different uh, recensions so that if you are interested in a particular form of the text, you can actually find it in the apparatus. I think that's a really important point. Um, uh, insofar as you take the effort and time to preserve the dynamism, the, to preserve the ways in which the, the you know, uh, the, the Purana may be, so for example, you may um, study in a traditional lineage, you have a teacher where you're learning a, a text on the tongue. Say, for example, many uh, current Paramparas will transmit, for example, um, the Guru Gita, right? And upon memorizing 100 to 200 verses, uh, the end of it is, itishri skanda purane uttarakande. You know, this is found in the skanda purane, in the uttarakanda. We don't know if it's there. But the, the tradition preserves it as such. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's one way in which it lives. And what you're showing is the way in which it has lived traditionally, historically, in these various in these various uh, manuscript uh, variations and recensions, you're preserving the dynamism of how the Purana has um, arrived to us in modern day. Well, we're, Would that we're be fair? preserving it and preserving it, but of course the ultimate goal is also to study it, yeah, to, to try to account for account for the changes. Uh, it's uh, Why did certain people, composers, transmitters, however you want to call uh, them, uh, feel the need to change it, uh, uh, and it, it it shows that the Purana is not just uh, some relic from the past, but it, it has a real uh, important force in uh, yeah. In, it's in, living. It's yeah. living. Also, the um, in many other Puranas already the Hatra uh, pointed out that is a the extant Purana is different from the the same name Purana, for example, the quoted in the early Dharmanibanda literature. So, but uh, because most of the Purana has only a new manuscript, new means, uh, for for example, after 15th century, but uh, in our text, the, very fortunately, we have a very old manuscript and also the new manuscript. So the, we think uh, now the um, this text was revised very largely uh, before the 12th century. I mean, the before Dharmanibanda uh, works, quotes from that. So maybe around the 10th century. So that usually uh, is, uh, I think uh, it occurs in many Puranic texts. But uh, because we we have only the manuscript after that, so we can't we can't follow it. 
but uh, in this case for ginger, we can trace it, how it is changed. Yeah. Very, um... and, uh, uh, one of the example of the in the recent publication this volume five the last chapter that is uh, largely uh, revised in so the in the earlier Nepalese recension and the later uh, this we call Reva and uh, Ambika recensions they have three uh, very different texts. Not so, very different, complete, uh, mainly the same, but uh, it's uh, what is uh, increased much, yeah. So, um, so there's a couple different directions. So how long have you been at this project? And how much of it would you say is completed? Just to give people a sense of the, of the labor involved <laughs> in this. <laughs> well, for a start, we didn't start it. Yeah, so it was uh, conceived originally by a different group of editors, as you can see if you look at Volume 1. Volume 1 has as uh, names of editors Hans Bakker, Harunaga Isaacson, and Rob Adriansen. So they, uh, they started it uh, at the University of Groningen at the time. It was published in 1998. So uh, that's by now 23 years ago. Yeah, I joined it uh, just before that, 1996 or 97, 96 maybe, yeah, as yeah. a student, yeah. Yeah, before. so Yuko's name is already there in the preface, uh, I, the preface. Uh, I, I was still a student uh, at the time, yeah, but uh, yeah, so as such, uh, it has gone through different, uh, yeah, different people have been involved, Yeah. so now it's handed, it, it's in the hands of, uh, of Yuko and me uh, as main editors. Um, and yeah, it is, it is as such very much teamwork. It involves uh, coming together, uh, preparing different parts, reading them together, discussing them together, not only uh, between Yuko and me, but also uh, affiliated uh, scholars who have an interest in it. Um, and where we are, uh, I think with volume four, uh, we, were, we, we reached the middle, more or less the middle of the text. Volume five takes us across the middle. So we are now... Um, yeah, more than halfway, uh, and we've made a rough plan on the future volumes, what they will uh, contain, and we expect, you call, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, four more volumes to come. Yes, yeah. But of course, so, uh, yeah, if we want to increase the volume number, we can do, because uh, um, after this, uh, not after this, but the uh, volume... Now we are working on volume six. Um, in the last part, it's the so the uh, two recent no two or the later recensions uh, revise the text very much. So it increased, yeah, about uh, three times or four times or sometimes five times. <laughs> so the, that part is very difficult for us to edit. Yeah, it depends upon the Yeah, but overall, if it, our, our minimum, the, the minimum number of volumes would be four more to oh, go. Yeah, four more. So certainly not for the instant gratification crowd. This word, this work, <laughs> it's, long, it's a it's a patient and perseverant work indeed. Um, yeah, but it's what? also, I think uh, it, it's very satisfying because if you look at each individual volume, you will see, and we've also tried to do that in, in producing individual volumes, they have a certain um, 
coherence. Yeah, there are certain uh, aspects that are treated in the text. So it basically gets you through, yeah, Hindu philology, Hindu, Hindu mythology uh, at large, uh, and uh, yeah, each volume also brings with it its own questions and uh, yeah ideas. So we try to also explore that. Uh, aside from simply uh, editing the text. So then, with respect to this 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 recent fifth volume, say a bit about um, uh, your your findings or the ideas or, or what you're you know what you're what you're advancing in that volume in terms of study. Well, the the first thing, if you just look at it uh, at the basics, so volumes four and five, I would put together. Uh, that takes us into um, incorporation of Vishnu's mythology. Uh, that is a kind of uh, underlying subject in this part of the text. And it's very fascinating because as such, it's yeah one thing that we should have said from the start uh, about the Skanda Purana. Uh, the Skanda Purana is a text uh, that is heavily Shaiva. So that means its ideology, uh, its theology uh, relates around the figure of Shiva. Shiva is the Ishvara, the Lord of the universe, wedded to his wife Parvati. Uh, they are the divine couple, uh, so it's a Shaiva text uh, in that sense. Um, but uh, the Skanda Purana covers much more, and so the part that we are uh, working on at the moment and in the previous volumes is yeah, roughly about the incorporation of Vishnu's mythology. So uh, volume four told the myth cycle of Narasimha, uh, volume five, the most recent one, uh, that of Varaha, who is interestingly called Naravaraha. So there's also yeah, an attempt to um, connect uh, the different uh, manifestations uh, of uh, Vishnu. And the next volume will uh, will also deal with Vamana. Vamana, yeah. It's a very um, it's a very important uh, cultural, sociocultural, historical process that you're being given access to uh, through these manuscripts of, of the Skanda Purana. So uh, there should be, uh, there's a lot of fascinating material there and there's no doubt it'll be the basis of some very um, important scholarship. Um, just, I, I, I can't help myself because uh, it's it's near and dear to my heart. I, I, I want to note that um, Dr. Yokochi has actually looked at the, 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 has used the Skanda Purana project findings for research into the Devi Mahatmya. And she has a couple important studies on the Devi Mahatmya. I'm currently preparing an um, Oxford Bibliography's Hinduism entry on the Devi Mahatmya. And there's some seminal studies. Do you want to say just a, a quick word about um, how you use this project to understand the Devi Mahatmya? Yes. Uh, the, that is, uh, in a way, the, my beginning for working on the Skandapurana. And... Uh, um, yeah, before working on this, before the starting working on the Skanda Purana, I studied uh, Devi Mahatma for my MA, yeah, master, master thesis. And then the, I wanted to study the history uh, uh, leading to the uh, composition of the Devi Mahatma, so the prehistory of the Devi Mahatma. But uh, actually, there is a not much uh, materials, just a few uh, few verses in the Haribansha, and also there are a lot of what is uh, uh, images of the Mahasya Marudini, of course, but the Sanskrit text is really very scanty. 
And then I come to Froningen and uh, Hans Hans Becker told me that okay, yeah, you should you should read it. And then I read it. Oh, I, this is a material I wanted because it is clearly the earlier than the Devi Mahatma. So now I think uh, the yeah for that the. I think the Devi Mahatma is one of the main sources. Ah, no, no. The Skanda Purana. Skanda Purana was the, one of the main sources of the Devi Mahatma. Yeah. For that, the, once I talked in one of the World Sanskrit conference, but uh, as usual, I have not yet made a paper. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, fascinating work. Um, it illumined the world behind the text. Uh, that's very important. Um, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what have you like to share about um, your own research uh, in general or, or your backstory? You know, Puranas are about backstories. So tell us a bit about your entry into this world, if you will. Yeah, well, my uh, my research from the start uh, has, has has been on the Skanda Purana because uh, that's basically where I was taught and it was the project which was happening at the time. So my initial work, uh, my PhD was on the uh, uh, the list of sacred places that uh, is found in one of the chapters, chapter 167, which is a very important uh, uh, chapter that gives us a lot of detailed insight into Shaiva topography. Yeah, so it's more or less uh, yeah, a description of the Indian subcontinent uh, in relation to uh, places uh, sacred uh, to Shiva. Uh, so that was my starting point. But at the same time, I've also always had an interest in the Parshapatas. Uh, the Parshapata tradition uh, is clearly uh, um, very much present in the in the Skanda Purana. So I also have a, yeah, I've been working quite a bit on the uh, the Parshapata Sutra and the Pancharta Basha, the commentary by Kandinya on that, uh, which is as such much more about uh, ascetic uh, traditions, ascetic worship uh, of Shiva. And then um, most recently or in recent years, I've also started working on another text that uh, for long uh, was forgotten and was, has been very important in, in medieval India, the Shiva Dharma, uh, the Shiva Dharma Shastra in particular. So that is a, a, a manual of uh, Shiva worship uh, it's effectively uh, a manual about linga worship. Most of it is about uh, the worship of linga. Um, but it is a text that is uh, slightly difficult to kind of uh, pin down. It's not a Purana. It's not a, um, a kavya. It is a manual of, uh, of, of, of Shiva worship. Uh, it's not a tantra either. Uh, but a very influential text. Yeah. Uh, so if you look at a number of manuscripts also surviving, it's it's very impressive. Uh, so I started working on that, and for that I published uh, I don't know two three years ago a book called Universal Shaivism, uh, which includes a uh, again an edition and a translation and study of one chapter, which is a invocation of um, all the gods. Um, for shanti, uh, for peace, for pacification uh, of the kingdom. Um, and uh, all these gods uh, are devoted to Shiva. That's also why I refer to it as universal Shaivism, because uh, 
not only we human beings are supposed to be devoted to Shiva, but the same applies to the gods as well. And the sages, of course. And the rivers That's... and the mountains. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's really good for for um, how to say for existing or prospective uh, um, grad students out there. How might one get into this work of of dealing with critical editions? What what might you recommend to them for graduate students? Well, we. One thing that is, uh, has been attractive, I think, about the Skanda Purana project is that, in fact, uh, several graduate students have been involved. Uh, so also different dissertations have been produced in the process. Mine, of course, was a part of it as well. But uh, uh, this year uh, we had a defense here in Leiden uh, of uh, my former student, uh, Sanna Dr. Mers, uh, precisely about this incorporation of Vishnu's mythology uh, into uh, uh, the text. Um, yeah, and then we also, uh, yeah, our seminars uh, typically are open, so we 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 get requests for, uh, from doctoral students to uh, to attend, and we uh, we welcome them, and we uh, yeah we we have our workshops. Uh, Yuko and I have our meetings, uh, ideally two twice a year, uh, and then we meet uh, for like yeah one or two weeks. Uh, uh, on a daily basis, reading the text, going through it first by first, and uh, attending that, uh, yeah, that is, I think, the best uh, training ground. Um, I think in general, uh, really what, what also makes this project very uh, alive and uh, uh, kind of uh, inspiring is uh, reading together. Yeah, you cannot do this kind of thing on your own. That is maybe my advice. Don't read these things on your own. Go and talk with people. Read text together. Try to figure it out together. Yeah, I learn have to uh, every day from from reading, uh, reading it and discussing it with others. I'll have to I'll have to take you up on that, Peter, and and you can help me read through some of these texts at some point. <laughs> That's great. Okay. That's great. Um, what uh, I guess as as difficult as it is to date these texts, few would be better poised than you to do so. How would you? Uh, according to our current knowledge, date the Skanda Purana. You call the authority on that. Oh, sorry. Would you repeat it? I realize that it's. Uh, uh, I realize that it might be ambiguous, but you would know best. Uh, how would we date the Skanda Purana currently? Yeah, that uh, for that uh, I have argued much about the introduction <laughs> to volume three, and uh, yeah, now I think uh, between five hundred fifty to six hundred fifty. Yeah, but important there already is, of course, we started uh, by saying uh, that there are different forms. The text has uh, gone through different ah, yes, So yes. what is your question about? That would be the first thing to ask. Yeah, are you interested in the very first uh, uh, form of the text? Because, in fact, yeah, the, the argument is that it continues uh, over time. Yeah. So, so it starts so more. Uh, first form, I mean, the first reduction probably... Uh, in 6th to 7th century, maybe from the middle of 6th century to the middle of the 7th century. And then the, the, the major revision, uh, rather the much revision, is made around, the, that's not so clear, but the, maybe 9th to 10th century. 
because uh, before the Dharmanivada was like a Rakshamidara quote from it. Yeah. Uh, they, they quoted from the revised text. So at that time, the many, many uh, parts uh, the increased, actually. And then yeah, after that, that also, that's right. The, the, um, some additions and so on is added. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe important to mention also is that uh, the main text, so that you find on the printed page, uh, and our main focus, because we have to have a focus on what we are editing. Uh, that is the what we think is the more or less earliest form of the text. Yeah. So the text yes. that's printed yeah. that's roughly six, seven centuries. Our assumption. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what I want to. Uh, in general, for the constituted text of the edition, for in our Skandapurana, also in the Mahavarata Ramayana, I want to say that this constituted text is just a hypothesis of the editors. But uh, yeah, often the readers uh, who are not so uh, accustomed in editing the text uh, think this is a, what is a fixed text. Yeah. But uh, it's not. It's uh, just as uh, a hypothesis of the editors. So the, each reader can can try to uh, constitute it by themselves using the, these uh, apparatus, critical apparatus, variant readings, and so on. That's a really important point. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, Peter uh, wonderfully problematized the question of what is the date of the Skanda Purana by which Skanda Purana? What do you mean by the Skanda Purana? What are you talking about? It's a process. Um, <laughs> but um, this this is an important point that the, the, the critical edition is no doubt um, an important tool, one arrived at at a great deal of labor and patience and training. Uh, nevertheless, it's a hypothesis, not a conclusion. Yeah. And yeah, if we can get uh, one new manuscript, maybe very old, 10th century manuscript from Kashmir, well, then the, everything <laughs> is changed. Yeah. Or, yeah. or a time machine, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then you'd reshuffle the deck uh, based on that manuscript. Fantastic. Um, was there anything else about the Skanda Purana project or critical editions that you wanted to share before we close for today? Uh, yeah, one small point, but uh, as Peter said, uh, this has very old manuscript, 9th, 10th century manuscript, and uh, it is the oldest manuscript of the Purana, but also the, for the epics. For Mahabharata and Ramayana, I think uh, the oldest is around the 11th or 12th century. So in that way, the, in the grammatical sense, for the so-called epic Sanskrit or vernacular Sanskrit, yeah, we have uh, good evidence yeah, for that because we have old manuscript. And clearly in the later manuscript, it is more what is uh, uh, usually it changed to conform to the Panini grammar. So the, that is um, the point we have uh, old manuscript is not only for the uh, this Skanda Purana itself, but also the, for the all the epic and Puranic studies as some contributions. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a about the, the, yeah, the, the, the Sanskrit. And I think in that respect also, uh, I mean, our work is also in line with some other uh, 
work that is happening, for example, in, in, in relation to Shaiva Tantras, uh, you can see yeah. the same phenomenon. That, uh, based on earlier manuscripts, it turns out that many texts in an earlier form had less Paninian correct uh, Sanskrit. And what you see that over time is that these, these texts tend to be corrected and to be normalized, uh, you could say. And so we are, um, because of the, let's say, 20th century uh, uh, or 19th century editions, we're accustomed to these normalized uh, forms of the text that are, as Yuko says, very often based on rather late manuscript traditions. And now that we have access to these earlier manuscripts, we can, uh, yeah, we can uh, get in that respect also closer to uh, uh, lift Sanskrit again, getting back to lift traditions to that Sanskrit is not just a, a fossilized uh, Paninian uh, type of uh, tradition, but that there are varieties of Sanskrit uh, and um, yeah, in that respect it also, yeah, a lot of the, our work also relates to uh, to studying the type of Sanskrit in which the authors uh, composed the text. Your uh, you, your work um, your work in many ways serves um, as an important peephole into ancient India, and there's relatively few <laughs> clear clear. Um, uh, it's 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 murky, right? So to find an old manuscript that evidences style, that evidences content, I mean, that's you know, that's pretty much a, a, a you win the lottery when you're studying ancient India to find some some material culture so pristine. Yeah, especially in the case of Puranas, because yeah, Puranas are so. Uh, I mean, by definition, and also as as works, they try to hide their historicity. Yeah, it's all attributed to Vyasa. There's no kind of uh, clear. Uh, basis. So the moment that you have, uh, as we have, a more kind of at least we have a fixed point with this one manuscript, with these early manuscripts, you can at least be sure that by that time this was the form that the text had. But yeah, um, uh, in relation to that, um, so what we've also been trying to do, uh, um, and Yuko also alluded to that in terms of dating, is to connect the text to material culture. Uh, to, um, uh, for example, uh, well, also our latest volume, in fact, we get also into the iconography of Araha. Uh, and, uh, uh, and Yuko has done the same about Devi, uh, the, the form of Mahishasura Mardini uh, in the text and how that relates to uh, uh, the telling of the, the narratives. Um, yeah, and from my side, of course, uh, I already started uh, right from the beginning with this uh, topography. Yeah? So uh, the, the place is mentioned. And then from there also, it becomes a stepping point uh, to other uh, studies. Yeah? So to individual places and to the different uh, religious communities that were uh, there. So the, the, the more you do this, you come to realize that the constitution of the text that we do is all dependent upon all those aspects. Yeah, you cannot just do a, a, a study of a text like this in isolation, just deal with the manuscripts. That's not possible. It, it, it involves uh, yeah, uh, all these, uh, these perspectives. That's an important point um, and fascinating indeed to, to think about the, the web of subfields um, yeah. implicated. May I add one? Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, yeah, 
one of the important points is that uh, this uh, text, this Kandapurana includes a lot of uh, uh, Mahatma type text. It's not that uh, independent Mahatma, but a small Mahatma, but uh, it's a many. And uh, I think uh, this is the earliest text that include earliest Purana that include uh, many Mahatma type texts inside. Yeah, of course, uh, Mahabharata has uh, many, several uh, tier theatre sections, but uh, it is a pilgrimage. And uh, it's not a Mahatma of the fix of a certain place. So in that way, it is a... Uh, this Purana is, uh, in a way, the precursor of the later development of the Mahatma yeah, in the Puranic genre. Yeah. That's so super the, fascinating. The study become very important. That's super fascinating. As you, as you both well know, uh, there's a, the Devi Mahatma is in the Markandeya, and there is a, a Surya glorification that parallels it, the Surya Mahatma, for lack of a better term. Um, and it is fascinating because it, it seems to me that um, the uh, maybe the ancient Saura redactors or composers, they took their lead from the Devi Mahatmya to rework some of those narratives of the sun. So it might be interesting to see um, if there are aspects of the Mahatmyas of the Skanda Purana that we see in these Mahatmyas. That might be a fascinating line of questioning. Yeah, I think Rupert's point was mainly about uh, the the geographical types of yeah, yeah. Mahatmyas, about particular places and the rather uh, uh, yeah detailed information that at times we get about uh, these places, so uh, rivers, uh, mountains, um, linga names of lingas, uh, potential temples, and then to also indeed what we try to do is to. Yeah, uh, connected to epigraphy, uh, see if there are inscriptional references uh, to it. So, although, yeah, Puranas are typically identified as somehow kind of mythological works in some uh, time zone out there, uh, it's actually possible, uh, the Skanda Purana really makes it possible to connect it to, uh, to particular places. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and and you see indeed this development of uh, yeah uh, pilgrimage and um, um, narratives of sacred sites uh, etc. Yeah. And there are a lot of uh, very fascinating narratives. Yeah. Anyway, the other thing, uh, of course, it's it's a wonderful text. It's really well at least. Of course, we're biased, uh, but it is a it is written in a very lively manner uh, with. Uh, intricate dialogues and kind of battles and uh, conversations between sages and uh, in a very lively uh, style, I would say. Yeah. It's also just yes, that, that that probably is a, a good point. That the Purana is great storytelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, uh, fascinating. Um, all right, so um, we've taken enough of your time for today. I imagine you're both quite busy. So I want to thank you both for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for your invitation. You're most welcome. Uh, for those of you listening, once again, we've been speaking with Dr. Uh, Peter Bishop of Leiden University and Dr. Yuko Yokochi of Kyoto University on their joint uh, monumental project, the Skanda Purana project. You will have a link 
in the podcast notes of the project uh, to their most recent open access publication pertaining to the project. Um, until next time, stay safe, stay sane, uh, keep listening, keep reading, and keep contemplating the dynamism of Purana. Take care.